This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I'm going to do a, a, a topic that I have not done in a number of years. And I really feel like that at the beginning of this year, that's an appropriate topic to do, is I, I want to do one called, I call it security measures, but I want to do a, a teaching on the armor of God. And l- let me start with a text scripture in 610, and I'll kind of give a, 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 a prelude to, to this series. Ephesians 610 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. The idea behind this, this series is, is not to, this is not something to glorify the devil. Interestingly enough, a lot of people don't believe that the, that the devil is real. They say, well, Alan, I'm an educated person and, and, and I don't believe that the devil was real. Well, that, that's interesting. Uh, Jesus, Paul, Peter, James, John, Jude, all the New Testament writers referenced Satan at some point in time. And so one one of Satan's greatest tricks is to convince people that he's not real. Gallup poll did a uh, did a poll in 2016 and they they said 72% of the Americans that they polled believe that they're angels and angels are real. Only 61% believe that the devil is real. But if you know your Bible, you know that the, the devil is a fallen logic doesn't line up, but there's a lot of people who think well Satan is simply a metaphor for evil. And yet Jesus addressed him directly and Paul's talking to us directly and he says, you need to be strong in the Lord and to put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of of the enemy. But again, you have to realize there is an enemy. And so I think, especially as we start this year, I wanted to start off with this way. He said, but that's kind of a a somber way to begin. No, not really. It's it's just we, we need to be aware of some things. And if we can increase awareness, when I was, when I was um, first came back to the Lord back in the 80s, man, there was a lot of talk about the devil. And in fact, if anything, it probably went to the other side. I mean, there were people over there, they're casting devils out of everything. You know, there are people trying to cast the devils out of their food. They're trying to cast, people actually tried to cast the calories out of, out of their food. I cast you out in Jesus' name. That, that does not work. Um, but there are people very, very, what I would call very devil conscious. And you heard a lot about the devil. We're standing against the devil and there was warfare. And so you, you saw almost an overemphasis, but we have a tendency as human beings to swing to, to one side or the other. So we swing to one side of the pendulum and the pendulum swing to the other side. Well, you, you don't even hear people mention Satan anymore. It's kind of like it's, well, it's, you know, we don't want to you know, talk about devil because he's not really real. Oh, he's real. (laughs) Two two boys were coming home from Sunday school where they'd heard a Sunday school message, a real strong about the devil, and one little guy looked at the other one. He said, you believe all this stuff about Satan and the devil? And uh, the little boy said, he said, well, he said, you know how Santa Claus turned out? He said, it's probably just your dad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not your dad. (laughs) It, it, it's, it's a reality. And so as, as, we're, as we're talking about this, we, we want to be aware. The idea is aware, not afraid. Nowhere in the scriptures does it mention being scared of the devil. The, 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 
when we read the text, it said, be strong, not scared. Now, this is echoed by Peter in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. It said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So again, Peter's saying, be sober and be vigilant. That word sober means self-control. Vigilant means to be watchful or alert. The idea behind this series, guys, is that we can understand that we can be alert, that we're in a, in a world that has evil in it. If you don't think there's evil in it, you haven't read the news lately. There is, there is evil out there, and there's evil in the world. The idea that we want to talk about is being aware of the evil, not afraid of the evil. Afraid of the evil isn't going to help anybody, but being aware of it. Occasionally, I'll have people come and they'll, they'll talk to me. And they're like, you know, Alan, there's you know, someone that put a curse on my family and there's a, a curse or there's this witch or there's a warlock. And, and, and the thing is, as a Christian, as a believer, and we'll go into this later, we have no reason to be afraid of witches and warlocks and curses. We got bought out of that. We're, we're, that's not part of our kingdom. That darkness does not belong to us. But the idea is you need to know and you need to be aware. Joe and I were when we were in Bible school, man, we were just having such a hard time. We fought all the time, and it was just like it was so much tension. And finally, we looked at one another one day and said, you think that the devil would come against our marriage? That was a brilliant revelation for a Bible school student. The answer to that would be yes. He would love to tear apart a marriage in the early days. And so instead of fighting one another, we learned to begin to resist him and resist anything. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this. But the idea, again, is awareness. I want to talk about what Peter said. He said, be sober, which means self-controlled. He's not, it, and it carries the idea when someone's sober, they're a lot more together. When you know, when someone, someone is intoxicated, their self-control goes away. Oh, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That self-control, it's gone. It's just, that's why, in fact, we used to say you can really get to see how a person is when they're drunk because their self-control goes away. I had friends, I, mean, I had friends, they were the nicest people until they got drunk and they were mean as snakes. And so I was a happy drunk. I don't know if that's something really to be proud of or not. I just, I just was. It says, our, it refers to Satan as our adversary, Never refer to him as our Lord. That word adversary only means an opponent. And it says he is looking for who he may devour. Notice it does not say he is going around devouring everyone he comes in contact with. Satan is not just have, he does not have free reign to come around and devour you. This is why he, if he could, he wouldn't have to lie. He's a deceiver. And he lies because he does not have the power and the ability to devour you. But you have to be aware of what's going on. So it says that. So then it says, didn't say run from him. It says resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Resisting. That means we know. We're going to say no. We'll, and we'll talk about this more. So this is new to you. Just hang with me for a little bit. We'll talk about this. But resisting it. I read the story recently of a, of a girl 12 years old in New York City. She was sitting in a McDonald's eating her chicken McNuggets when a boy she knew from school asked her for a chicken McNugget. She refused. She resisted him in his attempts to get her chicken McNuggets. She leaves the McDonald's. He follows her out. They go down toward the subway. 
and he pulls a gun on her, puts it in her face, and demanded her chicken McNuggets. <laughs> you got to love this girl. She slapped the gun out of his hand and, and called the police, and they arrested him, put him in juvenile delinquent for, for, uh, for trying to you know, commit a felony. But that girl was not giving up those chicken McNuggets. I, you know, I, I might have held on to some Chick-fil-A McNuggets, but I... I, I but, but the idea, and she became, by the way, they, they just made her a hero in, in New York City because, but, but the idea is she resisted. He tried, she resisted. The Bible said, it didn't say run from the enemy, it says resist him. So thank God we have the ability to do that. So when Paul is writing, when Peter is writing, no one's writing, oh, be scared of the devil, be scared of the evil. Listen, you can't, you can't live your life being scared of the evil that's out there. There's always stuff going on. There's always things happening. We can't live in fear because of that. But we do need to be aware. And so we see, he goes into to the, the Ephesians part. We're going to talk about that. We're, we're going to read the, the other parts of this passage. But he says, be strong in the Lord. So let's talk about a little bit about that. We hear that phrase a lot, be strong in the Lord. Key phrase is in the Lord. This is not being strong as a function of willpower or having a strong personality. This is strong in what Jesus has done for us. Second Timothy, the second chapter, verse one, Paul was writing to Timothy, who was his son in the faith. He said, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So he's talking about who we are in Christ, what Jesus has done, what we have because of our relationship with him. Now, the book of Ephesians, the book that we started with, this whole book is considered one of the greatest doctrinal books in the Bible. And the book of Ephesians begins to talk about, and so, and so keeping in mind that the, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. And so the book of Ephesians, at chapter 6, at the end, he's saying, be strong in the Lord. In the beginning of the book, he really begins to define what that's going to look like. What are we going to be strong in? So I'm going to read a passage for you. This is in Ephesians uh, 1, the third chapter, one, the first chapter, one, 3 through 7. And, and I want you to catch some of these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. They say, that's a, quite a passage, y'all, and that's kind of a long passage. There's, there's more put in that passage than we know what to do with. Listen to, listen to all the things he, he's saying in that passage. It says that we are he has blessed us. I don't know if you know it tonight, but you actually are blessed. Say, so Alan, I'm, Alan I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying my best to get blessed. No, you're already blessed. You just need to know it. You, you are blessed in him. You are, and I like this one, you are chosen in him. You're chosen. You say, man, I, I wish I was Jewish. I could be one of God's chosen people. You is. You already, you already are a chosen people. 
I'm half, I'm half chosen. Actually, I'm chosen twice because I'm half Jewish. But, <laughs> but I, 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 it's like I told Joy when, when she found out I, that, that my, my father, my biological father was Jewish. We're still looking for him. We're still trying to pin him down. But uh, <laughs> pin him down is probably not a good word. We're trying to find him. <laughs> but the idea is, I, I told Joy, I said, I said, that doesn't really mean a lot to me. I said, I identify more with who my heavenly father is than who my earthly father is because it's in, in, in Christ I'm chosen. I'm, I'm already chosen. And you are already chosen in him. So you're blessed and you're chosen. How about this? You're adopted as sons. And you say, well, I'm a girl. Well, understand the position that when he's writing that sons had positions of authority. So there's female sons and male sons. Think about that just for a little bit. It'll, it'll keep you up all night. But anyway, the, <laughs> the, idea, the idea behind it is we're, we're, we're in the family. We're blessed. We're chosen. We're adopted. You say, well, what did I do to deserve that? You did absolutely nothing to deserve it. All you did was receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. This is all truths in him. These are in him. Now, blessed, chosen, I'm not even finished. You're accepted. Man, that's a good one. So many people deal with the idea that they are rejected. Maybe, maybe a, a, a spouse or an ex has rejected them or people have rejected them or students have rejected them and they deal with that idea of rejection. You, you, can, you can say, you know what? I'm accepted. The Lord accepts me. I'm accepted in, in the beloved. I'm accepted in Christ. Accepted, redeemed means I was purchased. You and I both were, were purchased. God didn't just create us. He bought us back. He redeemed us out of the hand of the enemy. It's good news. So that, that means that Satan's not my Lord anymore. I don't belong to him. I do belong to the Lord. And so, it's, and so do you. You've been redeemed. So redeemed, here's the last one, forgiven. All of our sins are forgiven. That's a small passage, but that's powerful, isn't it? So you can, before you go to bed tonight, you all look at yourself and say, you are blessed. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are accepted, redeemed, and forgiven. That's finding out who we are in Christ. And so when Paul begins to talk about that you're strong in the Lord, this is what he's talking about. You become established and you and I become grounded in what God has done for us and who we are. See, when we're strong in the Lord, we're not wondering whether or not God will accept us. When we're strong in the Lord, we're like, thank you, Lord, that you accept me because I'm in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I'm chosen by you. It's so easy for us to look at people and go, well, they're special to God and they're special. I'm not special. Listen, God's big enough that every one of us is special to him. How many of you have more than one child? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you know you can love more than one child? And you, and you, how many of you, no, I'm just, just we'll just stay right there. You, you can love more, you can, you can love more than one. How many of you know that your, your children can be different? Yeah, you got I mean, if you know, if you've got more than one, they're different. But you can love them both or all three or four 
or five. I know some of you have blended families and, the, and, the, and there's a multiplier factor that starts to work in that. But, but you can love your children. So our Heavenly Father, who is the Father, who is the Creator, how many of you know He can love each one of His children? And that means each one of His children are special to Him. So you say, well, I didn't do anything to deserve that. Exactly. That's why, that's why we have to understand the grace of God. That's why we have to understand it was all done in Christ. So it's not a function of my race. It's not a function of my gender. It's not a function of my past. It's not a function of all my successes. It's a function of who I am in Christ and who I am because I have a relationship with him. I did, and this is why Paul was praying. He prays it in this very same chapter. He is praying for these people. And it's very interesting that Paul never prayed that people would be blessed. Paul prayed that people would see. Look, in, look at this. I do not cease to give thanks for you. He's writing to the Ephesians. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And it goes on to say, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward them that believe. Paul, he prays in Ephesians. He prays twice in Ephesians. He prays once in Colossians. But he's always praying for revelation. that People would see it. This is actually how we pray for you. I often pray for you. And I'm not saying, oh Lord, Lord bless them, bless them. Now if you're offended that your pastor does not pray that, that for you to be blessed because we just found out tonight you already is blessed. Bad English, but you won't forget it. You are, are, you're blessed already. So there's no sense in me praying that you would be blessed that the Bible said God's already blessed you. The idea is for me to pray that you would see it, that you would have a revelation of it that it would become real to you, that you would begin to go, oh, I am blessed, I am adopted, I am chosen, I am forgiven, I am redeemed. The more we see it, the stronger we get in it. And it's not the matter of you can read it once and, well, you know, I read, the Bible, I read the Bible once. No, no, here's the beautiful thing is, you can read it again and again and again and there's always more revelation that we can get out of it. And so you can see... You can, how many of you ever have, have read the Bible, read a passage, and all of a sudden the passage just comes alive to you? And, you? and you go, I never have seen that before. And now I see it. I was reading something the other day in the Psalms. Had read it, read it and read it, and read it. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just revealed something to me, and I went, that is so good. <laughs> and you say, Alan, did you get that because you're smart? No, I got that because that's revelation. That's what Paul was praying. He wasn't praying, God, make them smart. He's like, God, give them wisdom. Give them revelation. Show them what already belongs to them. Show them what your great power is. Show them that they're not the weaklings that the enemy has told them that they are. Show them that they're powerful in you and have a purpose in the earth. Show them. Reveal to them. That's what Paul is talking about. Is he's talking about being strong in the Lord. So, mm, y'all listen really well. Becoming strong in the Lord. Have to believe it's possible. Have to have an awareness of what he's done. This is one of the reasons that we encourage people to, to, to read their Bible, encourage you to listen and understand. 
Because if you don't know about it, it isn't going to help you. There's a lot of things that when people find out, we go, oh, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Well, when we find out, it makes a difference in our lives. So a biblical awareness, and then what I call a practical awareness. That's Romans 12.2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove it is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Practical awareness, that renewing in the mind actually doesn't just talk about um, that we get knowledge. It's talking about really a change of mindset. So we're, we're finding out what God's done. We're finding out who we are in Christ. We're finding out who we are because we have a relationship with Christ. It's a different identity. People talk about now, how do you identify? Identify as a believer in Jesus Christ. Identify as strong in the Lord. Identify as chosen, accepted, forgiven, redeemed. That's how I identify. Because I'm in him. Does that make sense? I'll tell you one story, we'll close. A number of years ago when, when, when blimps were actually, or dirigibles were actually uh, a, a, mo a mode of transportation, people, people flew in them all the time. There was one that landed, I want to say up in, uh, somewhere in the north, St. Louis, Midwest, something. And when the dirigible was coming into land, they would, there would be ropes that they would throw down. And there were some, actually some Navy midshipmen who were, who were grabbing the ropes and, and mooring the, the dirigible down to the ground so that the people could get off. And so they were throwing the ropes down. And as they were, so a lot of the Navy midshipmen were holding on to the ropes. And the, a, a, a gust of wind, something like a microburst, I guess, came and just hit that dirigible and shot it straight up in the air. Well, a lot of the, of the um, Navy guys held on to the rope. And so they shot up with it, almost like a reflex action. You know, it, it, was, uh, it shoots up and, and, and instead of letting go, they held on. And so it pulled way up in the air and, and people watched as it, it, it went way up and these Navy midshipmen started dropping. And they were dropping to their death. And so it was a horrible event. But one guy was just hanging on. And I mean, and, and he kept hanging on, and he kept hanging on, and he kept hanging on. And people were like, when is he going to fall? They had ambulances down there. They had people ready for him, waiting for him to fall. And he hung on. And it was, it was considered miraculous. They got the dirigible down. They got it moored to the ground. And they, the ambulances, the medical staff rushed to this guy. And he's just kind of brushing himself off and... He was good. And they're like, how in the world? He said, how in the world did you do that? That's like superhuman strength that you were able to hold on. He said, oh, no, no. He said, when the dirigible shot up, he said, I, I'd gone up with it. He said, when I looked down, he said, I realized I was too far to drop. He said, but I had a length of rope behind me. He said, so I reached around with one hand, pulled it around, and tied it in a knot. He said, I'm just hanging on, enjoying the ride up there. Now, here's, here's my point. So many times we're trying to be strong in ourselves and strong and strong and resist. Let's learn to wrap ourselves with the promises of God and who we are in Christ. And instead of trying to, instead of trying to, to hang on, we just wrap ourselves in his promises. We're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Would you bow your head for a moment? Heavenly Father, we're thankful for tonight. Thank you. Father, for the promises and, and the provision 
that we have in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good shepherd and that you love us, you care about us, that we're blessed and chosen, adopted, forgiven, redeemed. Father, thank you for that. And Father, tonight we just give you all the praise that we can learn. I pray, Father, for myself and I pray for the people that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards those of us who believe. We thank you for that, Father. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you came this evening and you're, and you're honest with yourself, you're going, you know, I really don't know if I have a relationship with God. I'm just not sure, but I want to be. Or you're here and you say, you know, I, I used to have a relationship with the Lord and I walked away from him and man, I, I regret that. I, I want to come back. I've gotten so far away from God. And I got good news for you. Either one of those situations apply to you. We're going to say a prayer. It's simple, but it's powerful. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come to the front. But we are going to pray. And if you would like to be in, if, you could, if you're one that says, would you guys pray for me? I, I, I need your prayers. I'm in one of those two situations. I want to know or I want to come back. Would you just have the courage to say, that's me, and just wave your hand at me. If you just raise your hand and wave it at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Anyone else? Thank you. Yeah, got you. Got you. Yeah, in the back. There, there. Yeah, thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. You put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to, you can still pray this prayer with us. This is a heart prayer. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who've come home and for those who've come to the family for the very first time, we rejoice with them at the powerful, awesome decision they've made. And we thank you for the wonderful plans you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.